Bishop. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. I'm so happy that you are here today, and I believe that God's Word will provide for you the spiritual nourishment that you need, not just to survive, but to thrive and flourish and be the person that God has called you to be. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Genesis, perhaps the easiest book to find in the Bible. And we're going to go to chapter 26. I want to give you just a couple of scriptures to stir faith in your heart. We're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings. And I want you to know that God has a very, very good plan for your finances. Now, Genesis chapter 26, verse 1, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Now, there was a famine in the land. You have to understand that until the Lord comes back and he establishes his physical reign upon the earth, and he governs from Jerusalem, and he governs for a thousand years. Until that happens, the earth is going to continually be subjected to various forms of famines, difficulties, earthquakes, uh, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, and these things can also affect not only the natural realm, but because of their ability to harm and hurt, it can also impact the economy. So recessions and uh, economic depressions and these types of things can be common in the earth. And here we see, just like we can see today, that there was a type of a famine. Now, because of the COVID virus, many people have found themselves getting the pink slip, being involuntarily laid off and basically saying, you know, there's not enough work to keep you here. So we, you know, we'll bring you back and uh, when we can, but for now, just grab some unemployment insurance and find a way to stay afloat. I want you to know that even if there is a famine and somehow the effects of that famine are something that you feel uh, in the sense where you maybe are laid off or something along that line, I want you to know that God is still a covenant-keeping God. Would you stop just for a moment and say that out loud so that it will release faith in your heart? Just say, God is a covenant-keeping God. And when things happen, such as a famine, something that you run into that you wouldn't prefer to run into, but it is what it is, and there's difficulties in the earth, You have to realize that God's covenant is higher and stronger and more stable than all of these things that shake and reverberate within the earth. And all you have to do is when there are times of famine is you have to just lean on the covenant. And that's what Abraham and his son Isaac and then his son Jacob learned to do. So regardless of what comes, whether it's war or famine or economic difficulty, the covenant is stronger than every other condition that is in the earth. And if you're on the covenant platform, guess what? You are going to make it. You're going to come out on top. Then the Lord appeared to him. That would be to Isaac. And it says that 
the Lord told him, do not go down to Egypt, live in the land of which I shall tell you. Now, if he's going to be assigned to live in the land, that means to get about the business of living there, you know, establish a place to live. And most importantly, you know, get some crops uh, going, get some seed in the ground. But don't forget, this is a time of famine. Now, verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land. What type of land? The type of land where there was a famine. And you would have to think that to the Philistines, to the economic advisors of the natural world, they probably thought, hey, this guy's crazy. He's out here sowing seed, and there's no way it's going to come up. It's too hot. There's no rain. Uh, there's nothing but sand blowing everywhere. And there's nothing good on the weather forecast showing any type of relief. But you know what? You just live your life, and the covenant will work regardless of what is going on out there in the world. It really is that powerful. You have to understand that the covenant that God can make with a man or with a woman concerning financial prosperity, that covenant is so strong that it will prevail over any negative condition in the earth. And you need to look at it from the aspect of this covenant is supernatural. It really is. It's it is so strong that there's nothing that can break it. Actually, the only way it can be broken is that if we pull out of the terms and the conditions and the agreement that bind that covenant together between us and God. But you know what? We're not going to break covenant. We're going to keep covenant with God, who is the covenant keeping God. God will do his part. We just have to make sure that we do our part. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. My friends, don't make excuses of why you cannot prosper this year during this time. Pastor Stephen, there's a global pandemic. Well, who on planet Earth doesn't know that, right? We are, we're all aware of that. But I, I do hope that you can still see that there are plenty of people out there that are making a lot of money. Don't think that just because there's a famine, nobody's making any money and everybody's getting laid off. That's not the case. There are some companies, they are hiring. They're hiring just as fast as they can, and they're not paying low wages either. So there are companies that are succeeding in this time. And you have, to, you have to remove all excuses of why God cannot bless you. Remove it out of your thinking. Remove it out of your vocabulary. And say, regardless of what is going on in the earth, pandemic or no pandemic, God's taking me up because I'm a covenant man. I'm a covenant child of God. Woo, praise the Lord. And you'll be just like Isaac. You'll be going forward when others who don't understand faith, who have no faith in God, who don't have a covenant with God, they're struggling, they're going under, they're crying out for help, 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 we're all dying. Woo, praise the Lord. But my friends, you'll be the one that's strong. You'll be the one that they look to and say, why can't we be like him? Praise the Lord. You're a covenant child of God. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper. Look, you can do that right now. You can do that this year. You can do that this month. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. What is the destination that God has for your finances? That destination is a call, a place where you are very prosperous 
prosperous. I dare you to say it. Woo! I tell you, it takes bold faith to believe the promises of God and to pursue them and to go after them. Hallelujah. Say, my destination is much prosperity. And when you are greatly blessed, you can be a greater blessing. Mm -mm. That's what God has in mind for you. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. They envied him. They wanted what he had, but they were not willing to work the principles that he worked. They were not willing to make covenant with God. So they were left out and they had to fend for themselves. They had to survive for themselves. And, uh, you know, it can be pretty brutal out there when you're outside of the covenant, but you are with God. See, the Old Testament is an old covenant. The New Testament is a new covenant. And you can be a child of God, washed with the blood of Jesus. You are a partaker of the new covenant. But there are some things that are not a promise in the new covenant. And finances is one of them. If you want to have a financial covenant with God, you have to meet the Lord on his terms, not yours or not mine on his terms. And the way that you engage God on the platform of a financial covenant is you come into that through tithing. The tithe belongs to the Lord. And then you honor the Lord with offerings as the Holy Spirit leads you to give. Woo, praise the Lord. Now, don't be surprised if your faith is ever tested in this area. I spoke with a online church member just a few days ago, and his faith was tested in this area. He was laid off, and his wife was laid off, and the money began to get lower and lower. But he said, he said, Pastor Stephen, I, he said, I told my wife, no matter what happens, we're going to tithe. And when one of those final checks came in, he, uh, he got the tithe set apart, got the tithe ready. And, you know, uh, his wife said, well, what are we going to do next? He said, I don't know, but God will take care of us because we are in covenant with God. We're in a financial covenant with God. And right when it seemed like there was no other source for any other money to come in, they received an unexpected settlement from a court case uh, that had been pending for several years and it just happened to get released right at that moment. And it released a significant amount of money into their, uh, into their lives. That's able to carry them forward so that they can go through this time until, you know, they're either rehired or they're going to get another job or whatever the case might be. But I tell you what, God is a covenant keeping God and your testimony can be different than the others who do not know God, who are on very shaky ground. Mm -hmm. So put your faith and trust in the Lord and walk with the Lord in covenant and you'll see that you'll never go hungry a day in your life. The only reason you would ever go hungry is because you're fasting. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something that you do out of a heart to get closer to the Lord, okay? Uh, but outside of that, you'll never know hunger. You'll never know lack. You'll never know insufficiency. Why? He's the same God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I'm telling you, he will prove himself to you regardless if there's famine in the land, 
coronavirus in the land, pandemic or whatever it might be, or the, all these, uh, you know, these different type of shaking sometimes that can sweep across the earth and affect economic scenarios. You know what? God is faithful. He'll get you through. Praise the Lord. And he can bless you right now, even right in the middle of a famine. God can bless you. And that's actually when Isaac reaped the 100 fold return. And God loves to prove himself in the midst of many negative adversarial circumstances. God likes to say, I'm not bound by those things. I exist in a realm outside of that, and I'm able to come in and override all of these negative things and bless you right in front of the Philistines. Woo, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Hallelujah. So I encourage you, stay on the covenant platform. Stay on the platform, and you're going to sail right through. Where, uh, where are you going? You're going to the same destination of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that is a place where God wants you to become very prosperous. Mm-mm-mm. Look, these men, these patriarchs did not get there by luck. They did not get there by chance. They did not get there because, oh, it just kind of all somehow worked out for them. No, they got there because they were covenant people. They understood covenant, and they kept covenant with God, and God, He proved it. He kept His end of the deal, and they went through. They just went through all the time and kept getting stronger and stronger. And that's God's plan for your life. Now, as you bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord, honor the Lord and show God that, yes, you you meet Him on covenant terms and covenant conditions. The tithe belongs to Him. And you give him the tithe. You pay your tithe. Praise the Lord. And when the Holy Spirit places upon your heart to sow special offering seed, you do that as well. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, Our zip code is 28654. If you want to go online and bring the tithes and offerings in online, you can do so day or night. It's very safe, highly encrypted, very secure. Please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage, and you can go there anytime, day or night, and you can honor the Lord with your tithes and with your offerings. Now say this. Say, I'm a covenant person. Say this. Say, I understand covenant, and I keep covenant. And God is a covenant-keeping God, and He will take care of me. Woo! Hallelujah. Watch, He'll take care of you so good that you have enough to be a blessing and even to take care of others. Mm-mm-mm. Praise God forever. The Lord is good. Now, let's take our Bibles today and go to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Let me just pray over the tithes and offerings. Father, bless your people. Bless your people mightily. Woo! Bring them into much prosperity, just like you did for Isaac. Let them taste it. Let them know it. Let them experience it. Let them, let them be those general, hilarious, happy givers. Thank you, Lord God. Covenant people. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord.
And by the way, uh, don't let it upset you when people get jealous. That's just part of what the Philistines do. Jesus said you could have the 100-fold with the persecutions. Don't mind the persecutions. You'll, you'll notice stuff like that, but just keep on going. Really, that they're admiring your life, and they're wanting your results. Okay, so, you know, there will be those times. Some come up to you, and they say, how, have, how do you do this? How did you come into this? And that will give you an opportunity to explain to them that you are a covenant child of God. Praise the Lord. Now, Isaiah 54. Hallelujah. Fathers, we jump into your word today. We thank you that we are word people and that your word is working for us. Father, we thank you that you want us to get out into the deep water and to enjoy all of the beautiful truths and realities of the deep water experience in you. So we thank you for it. You're going to help us get out there and enjoy it. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Let him right now open up the scriptures. Let light and illumination flow in Jesus name. We pray and agree. And around the world, we say, amen. Praise God. Now, today we are in Isaiah chapter 54, and we're going to start today in verse 13. This is a beautiful scripture. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. I'll never forget one night I put my daughter to bed, and she had gone to sleep, and uh, we had had a nice talk about the things of God before she went to sleep. And she went to sleep, and I, uh, I was up that night, and I was praying. I said, Lord, I said, what do you think about my children? What do you think about them? And I felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit come suddenly on me. And I knew that I could do something that you don't want to do it unless there's an anointing. But I've, I've done it. I've actually got strong faith for it. So when it comes, it works for me. Uh, but when that anointing comes, I can take my Bible and I can just, I can let it, I can let it open and the Holy Spirit will cause it to open and he's going to highlight a verse. So when I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you think of my children? The Holy Spirit anointing came. I set my Bible down. I just, I, I didn't throw it down, but I just kind of set it down like that because it was closed and it fell open to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. And that verse was highlighted by the Holy Spirit. The verse seemed to lift up off the page and I saw it and I read it. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. I said, thank you, Lord. I said, thank you. You love them so much. Now, let's understand here that our children our children are being taught by the Lord. If your children know, know the Lord and they're serving the Lord, that's wonderful. But even still in that situation, he's still teaching them. And you need to believe that and confess that and just say, Lord, I thank you for my children that you're constantly teaching them your ways and they're walking in your ways. Now, if your children are not serving the Lord, you have a child that's, uh, uh, how can we say, working on their testimony, being somewhat rebellious against God and His ways, then just confess this. Lord, I thank you that you are teaching my 
my children. You're teaching my child. And it may not look like it by their behavior. It may not look like it by the conversation that you have with them. But if you believe this, trust me, he's working and he's teaching. And they may never admit it. But God will work in their lives and he will teach them through life experience the good and the right way. The Lord will teach them what it is, the difference between what it's like to serve him and to serve the world and to serve the devil. The Lord will teach them and he's the greatest teacher. He can teach them in a very loving way. He can also teach them in a way where he, he will still protect them and shield them so that the enemy can't really get to them the way he would like to. But even in the midst of their rebellion, the Lord can teach them and the truth be told, the Lord was a master of this, of teaching the rebellious nation of Israel. When Israel forsook the Lord and turned to idols, when they rebelled against him, did the Lord give up on them? No, he kept teaching them and he would send prophets and he would, uh, uh, he would do all that he could to continue to reach out to the rebellious people. And so often they would come back humbled and uh, broken and say, Hey, that was no fun out there away from God. We want to come back and we want to get our lives right with the Lord. So understand that he is the master teacher. And even if it doesn't look like it, if you'll believe it and trust him, he will constantly teach your children. Mm -mm. And that's not just when they're young, even when they grow up in their 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, as you mature and get older, he'll keep on teaching them. And because of that teaching, great shall be the peace of your children. Now, this reveals something to us that's very beautiful. Good teaching, biblical teaching produces the fruit of peace. And the word peace in the Hebrew is actually the word shalom, and it means wholeness. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. That's the literal interpretation of shalom in the Hebrew. Nothing missing, nothing broken. So we would call that wholeness. Now, if we reverse engineer the, the, the fruit of good teaching, which is peace, and we go backwards on that, then we would have to say that insufficient teaching or uninformed teaching, or you could even say uninspired or non-anointed teaching produces areas in our lives that would make us vulnerable to the enemy who would thus bring distress, pain, discomfort, and even uh, if it goes far enough, will even, even lead into areas of destitution or even destruction. So it says here that your children shall be taught by the Lord. Now, what does this teaching produce? Great shall be the peace of your children. So proper teaching produces peace. And that's what we all want in our life. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Now it is possible through not knowing certain things, not having had exposure to the truth. And, and let me say this, it may seem hard to believe, but it is actually a proven truth. There are literally hundreds of millions, not thousands, not, not millions, Hundreds of millions of people who have never even heard the name Jesus. They have never even heard of a book called a Bible. But that is why 
It is so important that we teach the good news. See, preaching is proclaiming the good news of what Christ has done for us and made available for us. But teaching is explaining it so that you can understand it and take it and make application of it in your life. Mm-mm. What does wrong teaching or a lack of true biblical teaching produce? We see it and its damaging effects in the book of the prophet Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. By people. And this is God's people. And you hear the, the cry of God's heart in this, the, almost like the agony of God being expressed through this. He said, my people are destroyed. Wow. See, not just banged up a little bit, but uh, we're, we're talking about banged up, busted up, uh, tore up from the floor, up, as you might say. My people are destroyed. That's, that's not good. That's bad. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why is there lack of knowledge? There's, there's, no, there's no teaching. By this time also, there's been a breakdown. If you look under the old covenant system, when there was rebellion and the people began to forsake the Lord, it really would begin to deteriorate when the priest would stop serving the Lord. So now the, te- the, the, the priests who were the teachers, they have abandoned the Lord. And if they have abandoned the Lord, now the whole tabernacle temple worship system has collapsed and now there's no offerings for sin. Now there's no teaching priest. Uh, and now the people have no way to become informed. And you can have a whole generation rise up, raise up of young people that are not getting any teaching at all. They don't know what's the difference between right and wrong. All they have is their conscience. But in your conscience, you could have a pretty wide spectrum of a range of what you're willing to tolerate or put up with. But all of this is a lack of knowledge that's based on just not getting good teaching. Mm-mm. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, I find it interesting when I look back over my, my life. I was raised in church from a child. Um, I don't ever remember a time in my life where I didn't go to church. And I thank God for that, that I had godly parents that, that loved the Lord and, uh, you know, took me to the house of God so that I could hear the Word of God taught and ministered. And, of course, that eventually led to my salvation. But as a young person growing up in church, you know, there was a lot of religion. Uh, when I say religion, I'm talking about traditions of men. I'm not talking about, you know, the pure move of God's, uh, God's Spirit and the Holy Word being proclaimed. I'm just, I'm saying the Word was preached, but we had so many trappings we had such embellishment of religion. See, a lot of times people think, well, Pastor Stephen, the Catholics, they have a lot of embellishments. They have a lot of bells and whistles of all the extras that you don't really need. And they have all of these statues and all these candles and all that stuff. But trust me, in the Protestant churches, in the uh, evangelical churches, there, there's, there's all kinds of embellishments there too. And uh, it's very easy for, for church, for ministry to get bogged down with all types of uh, man-made traditions that uh, have, have, have no power in it, have no biblical basis for it, but yet it just gets worked into the system mainly because of men that don't really uh, flow with the Spirit. And so they get over into, the, uh, into these areas and they start, you know, plugging all this stuff in. And before you know it, you got to jump through all kinds of hoops and, uh, uh, you know, and you got all this stuff going on. But one of the things when I was growing up in church, I, I remember very clearly sitting in a church service, listening to the preacher preach, I would always wonder, 
Why is it so dark in here? Why are the lights so dimmed down? Now, this was not modern church. Many of you know that you go to a modern church today uh, in America, they dim the lights and it's almost like a production. It's like a show. And, uh, and I'm not against you know, like setting a mood. You, you can do that. But uh, uh, th- this was back, you know, in the 70s and, and stuff like that where, you know, I'd sit in church and just the lights never had enough. We never had enough light. And it seemed like nobody noticed it. And I'd be thinking, why doesn't somebody turn some more lights on? Why is it always so dark in here? Ah, I realized later that the the leaders of the church they didn't notice that why because it the natural setting of lack of illumination was a result of our spiritual condition we just didn't have a lot of light spiritually now there was enough light in that church that if you listen to the preaching and you, you, you considered it, and you took it to heart, which I eventually did, that you would get saved. So there was enough light for the message of salvation, or an explanation, or teaching of salvation to be conveyed in such a way that you could, you could come to a decision. You, need, you understood, hey, I need, to, I need to make a choice here, because I'm on, the, I'm on a path that's leading to eternal destruction, so I, I know enough now to know this is not right. I need to get right with God. So there was enough light. Thank God for that. If that's all I had. You know, I, I have nothing but uh, hallelujahs to shout for uh, that church having been established, that pastor for having done his job, and the elders doing the best they could do uh, in a situation where we were really only operating in as much light as we had. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. But lack of illumination, lack of knowledge, it can lead to destruction even for God's own people. I'm not necessarily talking about the destruction of your soul because you can be saved on your way to heaven while you're just getting tore up while you're going through life. You're getting defeated on every side. And that's literally what I remember from experiences around me having been raised in a church like that. And you know, l- looking back over the years, I was talking with my mother sometime uh, back not, not too long ago. And because, uh, you know, she, my mom's been a, a writer. She likes to write, so she writes letters. And, uh, and so she kind of knows what kind of happened to that area and that church after we moved on. Because we moved out of, out of the state. My dad got a job transfer, and we got out of there and uh, went on to some other areas. But uh, so I would ask my mom, uh, whatever happened to so-and-so? See, I'm not, a, I'm not a social media person. I'm not a Facebook person. I'm not into all that stuff. We, we use social media as a platform to spread the gospel, but I don't use it as a platform for me to start doing all this social stuff and try to, you know, have deep relationship with everybody on the planet. I don't, my, I don't have enough uh, time for all of that. I, I don't have an interest in a lot, of that, a lot of that either. I just pray, walk with the Lord, and those that God brings into my circle, that's who's in the circle. And it, to me, it's all about walking with God. People aren't interested in that. Then I, I'm not too much interested in uh, socializing with things outside of what is on the God agenda. Okay. So anyhow, so I'm like, well, mom, whatever happened to so-and-so that, that I grew up with, he was my age. Oh, well, uh, Stephen, he's, he went to prison. 
Oh, wow, ouch. Whatever happened to so-and-so, he was also in the church. He was growing up, and oh, well, things, things didn't work out too good for him either. Hmm, wow, that's too bad. Whatever happened to so-and-so, I remember so-and-so, they also went to church with me uh, as we grew up there. Whatever happened to them? I remember, on, you know, after kind of my mom was kind of giving me an update of all of the, maybe I could use the word the destruction that had happened to various people. Uh, I said, well, what happened to these two brothers? She said, oh. She said, those two, they grew up, they actually started a construction company. It was kind of like a small construction company. But she said they went in there and they remodeled the whole church and made it beautiful. And I say the church, I'm talking about the building. And they made it absolutely beautiful. She said, whoo, they sure have a, they have a very, very good construction company now. They've grown and they're doing really well. Mm, oh, see, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. Because if you have a heart for the house of God, if you have a heart for the kingdom, and if you have a heart for anything that would move the gospel forward, and that's what church buildings are for, then God's going to bless that. And God's going to bless you when you're involved in that. So that's how you escape destruction. You get into the teaching. You get into the knowledge of God. You get into the will of God. And you start walking in an area of divine protection. But for those that don't know, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Praise the Lord. Now, I believe so often that defeat, if we look at it carefully under a spiritual microscope, defeat can be traced back to something that we didn't know. Maybe we did know. There, there are cases where we do know and we just kind of overrode it. Maybe we're being stupid or just not being smart for a moment. Okay, so we, we realize that we can correct that. But what I would call consistent defeat or an ongoing failure in a certain area, so often that, if you look at it carefully, it's being traced back to something that you don't know that you need to know. Remember the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 3, and the Lord said, Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you what? Great and mighty things that you don't know. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, it seems to me that if I don't know it, but I need to know it, and God sees that I have no knowledge of it, but it's pertinent that I find out about it, it seems that God would just reveal it. Oh, no, He doesn't work like that. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Woo! Woo! Wow. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now, I have had cases where people have gotten mad at God because something didn't work for them, and they have come, and they have vented their frustration towards me, and they basically said God's Word failed, and it didn't work for them. Now, they would never say that directly to God. Maybe they would, but you know, they're going to try to be religious, but they would come to me and in a sense, accuse God of not coming through for them. And they would kind of unload and, you know, share certain things and then they would leave and then they would leave. And every time without exception, when something like that has happened, the Lord has come and looped back around later and has talked to me personally about it. And he's explained to me why they have their dilemma. And okay, you ready for the part B? And every time the Lord explained why they are in that dilemma, not once has he ever required me to go and tell them why they're in that dilemma. Woo! Woo! Hey, look, if they want to get out of it, we can help them. But that help will come through what? Teaching. Well, I don't need anybody to teach me, Pastor Stephen. We'll just go ahead and keep hitting the wall. 
Hit it over and over again. Eventually, your life will end. You'll never graduate beyond that point. You'll stay stuck on that level. You'll stay ingrained on that plateau. And when you get to heaven, finally, you'll get it all figured out. Woo! Praise the Lord. But look, when you have a heart that says, Lord, uh, there's a lot I don't know. Please teach me. It's amazing. It's amazing the teaching that he will do. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He said, I will show you great mighty things that you don't know. Hallelujah. Just say, Lord, teach me and show me. Praise God. Praise God. There are certain things about the Lord that if you don't ask him, he won't tell you. Even if it's vital information that would put you over. If you don't ask and you're not willing to be taught, don't expect it to come. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. And that is the, the gospel truth right there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You'll, you'll understand really why. It, it, it involves humility. If you want the Lord to teach you, uh, it's an acknowledgement that he's the master and that we're the student. Hallelujah. Praise God. Luke chapter 5. This one's very interesting. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Just let the Holy Spirit soften your heart. So that what you need to know can be revealed to you. And so often when God teaches, just to make sure that we are on the humble ground, the person that has the knowledge that you, that you need, and you may not know that, you, let me say it like this, you know that you need it, but you may not know that person actually carries it. That's why God will require you to be sweet and humble to everybody, because you never know who the answer will come through. You never know who has what you need. Oh, not that person. I can never receive it if it comes from that person. That's probably exactly who God would have you to receive it from. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm -mm. Humility. Praise God. We all need each other. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Same thing as the Sea of Galilee, just a different uh, older term of expressing that. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Please underline that in your Bible, and please say that after me, a little from the land. There are other translations that say shallow water. Just put out a little bit from the land. In other words, this is real shallow water, or this is only like two feet, uh, two feet deep or three feet at the most. We're in real shallow water. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and did what? Taught. He taught the multitudes from the boat. What did he teach them? The word. They had come to hear the word. What is teaching? He taught them. What is teaching? He's explaining to them the word in a simple way where you can take it and make it work in your life. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat when he had stopped speaking. In other words, okay, you got it. Yeah, okay, so when he stops speaking, and he's taught them in a way they can all say, yeah, that was easy, I can understand that, that was, that was, really, that was really clear, that's, that's what teaching is. Okay, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, 
launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Praise the Lord. Let me say this. This is what I got from the Holy Spirit. Shallow water teaching will carry you into deep water realities. Okay, let's go through that one more time. Shallow water teaching will carry you into deep water realities. But here's what a lot of people like to do. They want to go right out into the deep and they want the miracles. They want the great haul of a fish, the boat sinking, net breaking catch, all that cool stuff. And that is cool stuff. That's wonderful. Who, who doesn't like miracles? Who doesn't like the manifestations of the glory and the power of God? We all love that. But if you ever try to teach, oh, no, we don't, we don't need that. We, we don't have any interest in that. Then something's wrong. Something's wrong. And miracles are not going to bail you out. Mm -mm. You do not live on miracles. You live on the Word of God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by miracles. No, <laughs> no. Man, sh man shall not live by bread alone, but by deep water realities. Not, uh, no. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So that word is something that you can perceive, that you can, that is coming to you. It's the now word and you take it, you assimilate it, you digest it, you, you understand it. You, you have it unpacked so you can consume it into your spirit, your soul, and even it affects your body. And with that, with that, that's how you live. And that's what takes you into real valid miracles that are not just once in a blue moon, not just once in a rare experience, but they happen pretty consistently because you are having the teaching in the shallow waters. You love it. You value it. And you, you feed on it. And it, feed, it just it feeds you. It blesses you. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Look, don't ever be hesitant to ask the Lord, Lord, could you say that one more time? Mm. Don't ever be afraid to stop a teacher or a mentor and say, wait, wait a minute. Could you repeat that again? Uh, I didn't quite get that. Can you say that one more time? Because the last thing we want to do is move on to the next content material when we haven't learned or even understood what we've been reviewing for the last few days. We need to get that down. Get it down good. Have a good grasp on it. Okay, and then having knowledge of that, then we can move on. And yes, let's get out into the deep water, but let's get some good teaching. Let's get some good teaching. Why? So we stay grounded. So we stay grounded. Praise the Lord. So we're, we're not having destruction and all, all these calamities happen. And then we're saying, God, we need a miracle. Okay, then God, uh, he helps you. And then two months later, uh, more, more because of lack, no, no teaching and lack of knowledge, more destruction. Lord, this time I'm being destroyed in this area of my life. Lord, deliver me. Lord, I need another miracle. Okay, and this thing just goes on and on year after year. And there are Christians that live like that. And yes, they are saved. And yes, one day they, it'll all be over. And they will go to be with the Lord. Praise God, at least they're saved. Sure beats going to hell. But you know what? God doesn't want you to live like that. God wants you to have sweetness and peace. See, teaching from the Word, the pure Word, that teaching explained in a simple way where you can understand it will produce what? Shalom in your life. Nothing missing, nothing broken anywhere in your life. And that's very attractive to, uh, to the lost. It's very attractive to believers that don't have access yet into that knowledge. 
Mm -mm. But humble yourself. Be ready to receive it. Be open in your heart to receive it. And when the Spirit is moving, because truth is constantly being restored to the church, you know, just open your heart to receive it. When the teaching movement was birthed into the earth in the late 1960s and pr primarily into the 1970s, as the teaching movement came onto the scene, it began to sweep across America, it began to sweep through nations of the world, and suddenly you had people that had a tremendous hunger for the Word of God, and it was not uncommon for men at that time, uh, men such as Prophet Kenneth Hagin, to take a subject like uh, one verse, like Mark chapter 11, verse 23 or verse 24, and just teach on it, not only for an hour, for weeks, nonstop, oh, you, just sometimes on one verse. Woo, hallelujah, it was a teaching move of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? Not everybody opened their hearts to receive that. There was a Scandinavian uh, country, a particular country in the Scandinavian region of Europe, and they, they sent a letter to Rhema, uh, which is the ministry, uh, the, the ministry school that Brother Hagen oversaw, and they requested that Rhema send several of their best teachers to that country to share this new move of the Spirit to teach and to bring this new anointing to them. And so uh, they did send two from America, from Tulsa or Broken Arrow, all the way to that country. They went there and they shared in the anointing. They shared in the power of the Spirit. The Word was delivered. The message went forth. And you know what? The leaders the leaders of that particular denomination, and, uh, and they, they had the largest denomination in that uh, part of the world, they rejected it. They rejected it. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because of the shoes that the two men that went, the shoes, they didn't like the shoes that the two men were wearing. They said those shoes are too nice. If those two men were really uh, ministers of the gospel, they wouldn't be wearing nice dress shoes like that. They'd have old wore out shoes on. And because of the, they use that as an excuse, but that's, that's how the enemy used something to uh, mess it all up for them. And they got hung up on the shoes to the point they couldn't receive the message. In other words, they couldn't be taught, not even by the Lord. If the Lord would have come there having taught that, they would have rejected it because of the shoes. Wow, praise the Lord. So you have to be humble. You have to be humble. The, the answer may come to you in somebody that's not wearing shoes that you like. Who cares about the shoes? Who cares about the shoes or the color of the hair or the color of the tie or whether they wear one or not? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Something that you need to know coming, coming from a, a vessel of God that will help you to step into what it is you're supposed to go into. How about this one? Isaiah chapter 48 Verse 17, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. Wow. There are some churches, Christian churches in America, that if you were to stand up and read that verse, they wouldn't do it physically, but they would want to throw you out of the pulpit. There's no way they would accept something like that in a million years. That, that, now, they think that what God would teach you to suffer, 
They, they, would, they would say, yes, now, if you want to stand up and say that God will teach you to be humble, yes, we'll agree with that. But if you actually stood up and read from the, even if it comes from the Bible, and said, God will teach you how to profit, oh, no, oh, no, that can't be of God. But yet, there it is in the Bible. There it is right there in the Bible. See, that refusal to be taught in that particular area of finances so that you can profit and be successful in the area of your finances, if they reject that, well, then the Lord, He does not have authorization to teach in that area. And so He loves you. And because you have received Him by faith and He, you, you've allowed Him to save you, then you're going to go to heaven, but you can go through life. Not knowing certain things that you need to know concerning finances, and you make bad decisions. And when it comes down to it, it is your decisions that decide your wealth. But lack of good teaching, lack of instruction in that area can cause a lot of pain. A lot of pain. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. I would say this I would say that the Holy Spirit would like to be your master money mentor. Let me say that again. I really do believe that the Holy Spirit, who is the great teacher, I believe that he would like to be your master money mentor, that he can mentor you in this area of coming into a place where it's not just survival, but you're starting to come out on top and the blessing of the Lord is working in your life. And see, that comes from teaching, teaching. Mm -mm. I want to get further into this teaching here in just a moment. There are some remarkable scriptures, just two more, and they're, they're both amazing. Now, the next one is in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, praise God. John chapter 14, and this would be verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said that, that I said to you. Now, sometimes when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we don't really recognize him as the teacher. We recognize him as the Holy Spirit who leads and who guides and who comforts, but sometimes we haven't really grasped the, the power of His ability to teach, and He'll constantly teach. And the amazing thing is that in the Old Testament, the, the Jewish people, they did not have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. But in the New Covenant, that's the, one of the miracles of salvation, is that you are born again you get a brand new spirit. You're recreated. And the Holy Spirit, He comes and lives. He indwells every individual believer. Praise the Lord. It's amazing. So this teaching and this guidance, it's inward. And that's why as you begin to pick up on it, it can become very, very clear and very, very strongly manifested in your life. He will teach you all things. Now, I had the Holy Spirit just recently remind me something as He taught me something I previously knew, but I've learned to make better application of it. This is something that the Holy Spirit spoke to me very recently. He said, don't pick unripe fruit. And I knew what He meant by that. He was referring to my personal outreach towards those that would be lost and wanting to see them come to Christ. Now, when I minister publicly, uh, 
when I'm ministering over the Internet or through the Pure Gold television program, I, I'm speaking to, you know, a lot of people. And so as that goes out, you know, over the airwaves, so to speak, and over the Internet, that's going out to a large area. So I'm always going to throw the net for salvation. I'm going to try to pull some fish in. I'm, I'm fishing for souls because there's a broad audience and there will be some out there that they're ready. It's just like fruit goes through a different cycle it, and, and eventually it's going to get ripe. But if it's not ripe yet, you don't want to pick it. It's not ready yet. So it's the it's, it's, uh, same way with people. You can have people, they don't know the Lord, they're not saved. But some they have been hearing the gospel, and they're starting to really kind of warm up to it, and they're starting to really like it, but they're still not quite ready yet, okay? But so you don't pick the fruit until it's ripe. And when I'm doing ministry from the pulpit, then I'm going to just go for it because I know I'm speaking to a lot of people, and there are going to be some souls that are out there where they're right. Others, they're not ready yet. That, that's okay. There will be some. So I'm going to give a salvation call just because there could be a few, and often there are, that are ready to respond. Praise the Lord. But it's different as an individual. If I'm just out and about eating at a restaurant with my wife, and I'm talking to the waiter, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to kind of be able to feel that out in the spirit. Are they ripe? Are they ready to come to the Lord? Or is is it a place where you're, you're there to maybe just water? You're there to just encourage them on that, that path that they're on of seeking God. Praise the Lord. And that's something that the Holy Spirit will help you with. And He's a teacher. And He's teaching on the inside so that you can work with each person. Because everybody's different. Everybody's different. Just like fruit. When you walk up and you look at the tree, all the trees are different. And different types of fruit have different types of uh, uh, maturity levels. And uh, they come to harvest at different times. So the Holy Spirit will help you with that. Well, Pastor Stephen, how, how can I tell if I'm ever talking to a person and I, I, I know they're lost and they, they have told me they don't know Christ, but how can I know if they're ready or not? Well, there's a couple of scriptures. I'll share them very quickly that can be very helpful. One of them would be Acts Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we all are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? When somebody runs up to you under conviction and says, Hey, you, what do I need to do to be saved and to get my life right with God? Uh, the fruit is right for the picking. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Praise God. Amen. Look, when the fruit's ready, you just take it off the tree and put it in the bushel basket. Praise God. There it is. Amen. But if it's not ready, don't try to force a conversion. Don't try to force a confession when it's not genuine, when it's not coming from their heart. And, uh, you know, it's possible for... Uh, denominations to put pastors under weights like that or to put, you know, missionary organizations 
put uh, quotas that min that missionaries have to get accomplished or else we're going to bring you in off the field and we're going to get somebody more productive. And so they, they ask you like, uh, how many were saved this year? How many were baptized? How many joined the ministry school? How many? We want numbers. We want numbers. We have to report back to headquarters. And if we don't have numbers, we're going to get you out of there and get somebody. And, you know, they're running it like a corporation, like a business. And it doesn't work like that. So sometimes that fruit is not ready until there have been years and years of labor, of prayer and intercession. And then finally, finally, when it's right, uh, the spirit moves and conviction is worked in the hearts of the people. And they see their condition for being what it is lost, separated from God and lost in their sins and in a miserable condition. And because of that conviction of the Holy Spirit, they say, what must I do to be saved? Praise God. And when you pick the fruit ripe like that, that's the type of fruit that will stand. Those type of conversions, uh, they, they stand through anything just about. Praise God. There, there could be a few that maybe fall away. But for the most part, conversions like that, those people, they'll go through anything and they'll always stay with the Lord. One more example, of course, would be the classic in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Okay, so what is that? That's conviction. And at that cutting to the heart, that conviction is not there. The fruit's not ripe. Don't try to pick it. Just sow the, Just keep uh, watering. Just keep sowing seed. Speak words of love. Speak words of encouragement. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a process. And eventually, they're going to get there. Keep praying for them. So, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So, they're ready. Okay. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? <laughs> then Peter said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized, immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, when they're coming like that hungry, and, and, and God's moving, the Spirit is moving, the fruit's ready. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Now, I, I have a pastor friend of mine, and uh, he passed away last year, so he's in heaven now. But uh, he pastored at one time the largest church in all of Australia. And he told me that when the Holy Spirit swept with revival, this was back in the 70s, that so many people were getting saved that it just wore him and the pastoral team out. It just wore them out because it's constant ministry and you have people, people constantly under conviction with deep regret over their sins and they see their awful condition of being lost and without God. And they're like, I, I, I've got to get this off of me. I can't sleep. I'm so convicted by my sins. And so he and the pastoral team were just, they were, they were you know, like running day and night. And uh, he told me that uh, he had made a decision one time course you know this was looking back on that great move of God he told me that what had happened is that he had told this team he said look we're all exhausted and wiped out and l literally thousands had gotten saved 
And he said, we're so tired that he said, what I'm going to do on Sunday, because uh, it was Saturday night, he told his team this, what I'm going to do tomorrow, Sunday morning, is I'm just going to preach a very simple message about communion. It's not even going to be evangelistic. I'm going to preach a communion message, make it kind of short, and then I'll wrap it up, and then we can go home and rest. And so he said, uh, he went out there, and he preached just a little message on, on communion, the Lord's table. And he said, let us all bow our heads and pray. And, and he prayed a little closing prayer. And when he finished the prayer and lifted up his head and opened his eyes, the whole, the whole altar area, the fr whole front area of the church was packed with people, packed with people saying, what do we need, what do we need to do to get, to get right with God? Your message so convicted us. <laughs> so it was the Holy Spirit cutting the hearts of the people and, and uh, letting them know the awfulness of their sins. Praise God. Praise the Lord. That's how you know when the fruit is ready to be picked. Praise the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, so this teaching of the Holy Spirit, it's invaluable. It's priceless. And He'll help you with all of this. He'll help you uh, to know they're not ready yet. Just keep loving on them. Keep ministering to them. And the time will come when that fruit is ready for, for the harvest. And all of these things He'll teach you. Because we have so many variables in life of should we go now? Should we wait? Or what should we do? Or what should we do? So that's how He teaches. He's the master teacher. In every facet of your life, He's living on the inside of you. But this next verse, and our concluding verse today, will help you to really get out into the deep water realities of the Holy Spirit and enjoy yourself in the good things of God, God's very best for your life. And it is in the little bitty epistle of 1 John, it's chapter 2, and it is verse 27. 1 John 2, verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. We all have an inward anointing that is resident because of the Holy Spirit living in us as individual believers. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. Now, this is different from the anointing that can come upon you. The anointing that comes upon you is an empowerment to do what God has called you to do. But the anointing that is within is there to sustain you and help you to function as a man or a woman of God. So again, the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Now remember, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach you concerning all things. As the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as, his, as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. So that anointing will just establish you to abide in Him, and it teaches you concerning all, all types of things. Because you're walking with the Lord, have a strong fellowship and relationship with the Lord, you, go, you can wake up in the morning not expecting that your day is going to go this way, but you wake up in the morning... And the next thing you know, you're out buying a car. Uh, why? That anointing is just teaching you, go for it. And you think, well, the day's not a good day. You know, it's a, uh, the, the, you know they, they have like little rules of thumb. Uh, uh, they say, don't, don't buy a car on a Friday 
because, uh, or, uh, excuse me, they say don't buy a car that was made on Friday because on Friday people are wanting to get off work and so their quality is not as good. And don't buy a car that was made on Monday because everybody came to work, you know, the union workers came to work on Monday in a bad mood that they had to go back to work. So, you know, you have these rules of thumbs, do this, don't do that. And you got all this stuff floating out there, but you wake up in, in, in the Holy Spirit who's on the inside of you, that anointing just says, go do this right now. And as you follow that anointing, that anointing, will, it'll just, it's, it's a teaching anointing that teaches you, oh, if I go with that anointing, it works. It works. And it's smooth. And it works smooth. Hallelujah. Every time, without an exception, that I have followed that anointing, when it has come upon me to buy a vehicle, it's almost like when I would go to a dealership, unannounced, unplanned, unrehearsed, Go there into the anointing, it's like a revival would break out. It's the next thing I know I'm meeting the general manager. The next thing I know people are sharing their hearts with me. The next thing I know with me, uh, I know that people are just like, uh, you know, tell me more about the Lord and stuff like that. And, and of course, I'm getting the vehicle. That's the main reason I'm going. But the higher reason is that God's in it. And if you will learn to go with that anointing, it's a flow. And it, it, it's something you have to constantly learn. It's, it's a teaching. He's teaching from within. Go with that anointing. Go right now. Make the phone call now. Well, Lord, I don't really want to make it now. No, there's an anointing. Make the phone call right now. See, if you try to call later, the, you can't get a hold of them. But if you call right then when that anointing's there, oh, they answer the phone and you catch them at the right time. And everything goes through the way it's supposed to go through. Mm. I had things happen, uh, maybe in the world we call it impromptu, or we would say it's not planned, but I would just go with that spur of the moment anointing from the inside, and because I went with that anointing, something would open up unplanned, unprepared, but it would be beautiful, and it would be memorable, and it would be those things that stick with you as special moments all of your life. But that is an anointing from the inside that will teach you. And if you will be humble and allow the Holy Spirit to teach and to lead, He'll show you what you're supposed to do. Often it's not in words. It's just an inner guidance that's a flow. It's an anointing. And if you pick up on it, it'll teach you. It'll teach you. It'll save you a lot of energy. And you're not, you're not trying to Wear yourself out and do a bunch of things because you don't need to. You don't, you don't need to. The Holy Spirit doesn't anoint you to do that. There's not an anointing to do that. Well, shouldn't we do this in these situations? Well, there, we just can't have like, like uh, rule books. And if you have a rule book, you have to subject that rule book to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Or else you're going to end up with what we would call highly structured highly organized religion that's got you so bogged down that you've got to now jump through a hundred hoops before you ever do anything. And by the time you get through the hoops, the opportunity's gone. So you don't have time for stuff like that. You have to go with that anointing. Woo! And it works. And it's fun. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. But the anointing which you have received, not that you're going to receive, the one you've already got. When you became a believer, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need any, you do not need that anyone teach you. Well, I, I've seen the craziest thing happen when, uh, not just in my life, but others with my wife, Stephen, let's go do this right now. Uh, I don't, I don't know, but see, she's got an anointing for it. So if, if that anointing's on her, I'll, I'll just like, okay, you got the faith for it. That anointing is, let's go and get through 
the most locked doors, uh, inaccessible areas because of favor or asking, catching at the right time, at the right moment, and get through it and end up in a place that you, you would think you could never get in here unless God did that. And others, uh, pastors where I've been with them and I've seen that same anointing and they're going with that inner, uh, inner anointing and they're just going with that flow and because they're, they're tracking it and I'm like hanging out with them I'm like, yeah, just go, go, I'm, I'm with you. We end up in the most amazing places because there's that anointing and it'll teach, it'll, it'll lead and just, you have to go with it. Hmm. Look, I tell young ministers, they ask me, Pastor Stephen, what is it that I need to know? I say, well, of course, as a young minister, you need to know the Word. You need to get equipped. There, there is an element of training, uh, of learning the basics, as we would say, and, and things about protocol, things about conducting yourself in ministry, you know, all that stuff, you need to learn all of that. But there are other things that maybe we would call it the intangibles, and here's one of the biggest ones uh, for those of you that you sense a call to ministry. It's this. You, ha you have got to get into a place where you can move, and we call it flowing with the Spirit, because if you can't do that, you become a one-dimensional preacher, and you can stand there, and you can preach a good message, and it could be a good message. And you can proclaim certain truths. You can, you can preach on the gifts of the Spirit, but you can't move in them. You can't demonstrate anything. You're one-dimensional. And that's what a lot of theological seminaries, they pump out. These one-dimensional preachers that know Hebrew, and that's great. And they know Greek, and that's great. And they, they, they can articulate well. That's wonderful. But they can't, they can't flow with the Holy Spirit. So the services, while they're intellectually stimulating, you know, you leave and you think, uh, that, that was a nice message, but um, all in all, I, why do I feel like I got half a potato? Why is it I feel like I got half a loaf of bread? What's going on? That's because you did. You didn't get the full thing. There has to be a, an, an ability to flow and go with the anointing, even during the teaching, even during the preaching, even if those notes are not in the, uh, in the text, but the Holy Spirit flow, that anointing is bringing them up. Then forget, forget what's on the paper. Go with the anointing of the Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows things we don't know. He knows what they need. He knows what's in the heart, and He knows how to get to them. And so as we yield, we will see beautiful fruit. Woo! Mm -mm. So anytime there's good teaching of the Holy Spirit, it'll take you in the peace. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And you'll find yourself in, in amazing places. So really, that's something not just for ministers. And ministers need that, the flow in the, flow in the anointing, how to minister. But we just have to have that corporate anointing also to flow together, to move in the Spirit, to, to be able to pull together on the anointing, pull on the glory, hallelujah, pull on the hem of the Lord's garment, to have not just individual faith, but corporate faith, so we can all break through. Praise God. Mm -mm. Because look, we're all possessing the promised land as individuals, but also as a collective body of believers as well. But that's something that anointing within will teach, will teach, will teach, will teach. It's teaching. Go for it. Do it. Do it right now. Well, well I, 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 you see, that, that's the intellect. That anointing is in here in your spirit. It's in, it's in your spirit. So you have to learn to go with that. Mm, I, I, look, I'm telling you that when you really walk with the Lord, your days of doing crazy things, maybe as a thrill seeker, you don't need that anymore. You'll have enough of a rush in this walk of faith, just keeping up with the Lord and the Holy Spirit, 
you know, taking you on this journey. You don't need to do any wild, crazy stuff. You'll have enough wild, crazy stuff in the glory. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. I've had opportunities sometimes if I do it. I don't know what's going to happen, but if I don't, I'll never have this opportunity again. What is the anointing teaching me to do? And so often it's like, go for it, go for it. And every time I've yielded to that anointing, I would have a, a remarkable experience. And I have found out over decades, it's never come back around again. That was a once in a lifetime moment. And the anointing is what taught me, go for it, go for it. And, and the anointing was not saying this is your one and only chance. I, I, it didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't say that, but I knew I've got to do this now. And I found out every time that door, that was, that was just for that moment. Mm -hmm. But I went through and received, received what God had for me on the other side. And so will you. These are the deep water realities. How do you get out there? Teaching in the shallow water. Teaching, teaching, Lord, teach me. Teaching, teaching, Lord, teach me. Hallelujah. And he is daily, not just through the word, but through the illumination inwardly by the Holy Spirit. Not just when you're hearing me preach or teach to you, but daily by the Holy Spirit who's taking that word, who's taking these messages, and who's opening it up to you, opening it up to you, and allowing you to go with the flow. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that are watching that they find that way out into the deep water which is sitting in the boat in the shallow water, listening to teaching. We thank you, Father God. We thank you. Thank you. Let us hearken diligently to your word. That means really consider it. Take it to heart. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit who's teaching us daily. Help us to yield to that teaching anointing and help us to go with that flow. Now, Father, we praise you. We bless you. And we thank you. Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, if you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus, the master teacher, he has made provision for you, which was his death upon the cross, for you to get your life right with God. Praise the Lord. If you would like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're saying, Pastor Stephen, I'm right fruit. I'm, I'm a right piece of fruit. Help me get in the Lord's bushel basket right now. Then pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, I choose you. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. I give my life to you completely right now. Jesus, give me your new life. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you that I belong to you right now and forever. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you're a Christian, but you've been quite unteachable, and you've been unreasonable, and you've been what the Bible would call rebellious, and you've been away from the Lord, and you've suffered, you've suffered for it, come back right now. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent. I commit, I recommit my life to you right now. Thank you, Jesus. And I open my heart now to be teachable to you. Thank you. In your name. Amen. Praise God. Nothing better, nothing better on the planet than walking with the Lord, living for him and having your life right with God. Praise the Lord. Let's all take Holy Communion together today.
I use these little wafers. You can buy them on the internet or buy them at a Christian bookstore. If you don't have one, grab a little cracker. And I use grape juice. Doesn't need to be any certain brand or kind. Hallelujah. Grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we partake of the Lord's body and blood, we proclaim his death until he comes. Because it was at his death that he made provision for our full redemption. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. We thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit. Woo! And that he's teaching us. And we believe it. And we open our heart to his teaching. And Father, we open our hearts through the vessels that you would send as teachers. Lord, even as you open the mouth of a donkey to speak to a rebellious prophet named Balaam. Lord, let us open our hearts through any teaching vessel that proclaims the truth of the gospel to hear what you would say. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We receive the body of Jesus now in faith, believing. Amen. And amen. Let's partake together. Have you ever had somebody tell you something? You didn't listen to it, and you regretted it later. Why did we not listen? Maybe there was something about the person that we didn't like. But nevertheless, they were a mouthpiece for the Lord. Learn to recognize that the Holy Spirit, when He teaches, can even teach or instruct through a donkey. Praise God. Oh, yes, we know He'll instruct through His Word, but He can instruct in many ways. Praise the Lord. Father, thank You. For the blood of Jesus, its mighty cleansing power, washing away all of our sins. And we thank you that you even promised us that our sins and iniquities, not only do you take them away, but you remember them no more. Father, we thank you for that. We believe it. We receive that promise. And because of that, we thank you that we have a clean conscience, right standing with you. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. As we conclude in life, everybody's different. Every situation is different. You cannot treat every situation the same. You don't know the things going on behind the scenes. And even if a person gives information, you don't know, are they withholding information? Are they giving incorrect information? But see, the Holy Spirit knows. So when he teaches, when he guides us, he's teaching us, this is how you respond. This is how you respond to this, to that. Now, we always follow the principles because the principles of the word always work. They are eternal. But these little areas that we don't know, that's where the teaching comes in and we must rely on it. Mm, mm, mm. Because God knows everything and he's helping us. Father, bless your people. We thank you that because we submit to your teaching and we receive it in the shallow waters and enjoy it. And love it and eat it up. We thank you that you're taking us out for the reward. Out into the deep. For the deep water realities. The fun stuff. The blessings. The miracles. The overflow. Thank you Father God. Thank you Father God. Give us a heart for good teaching. In Jesus name. We receive. Amen. And amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye bye.